Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I am John Ledger from PewterReport.com. With me today, hailing from Buck's camp, where he observed the brilliance of Tom Brady and the wonderful touch throws down the seam to many different targets during today's practice, the one and only J.C. Allen. I really think there's intrigue when I intro people because, like, they don't know who it's going to be. And then I take down the graphic and boom, there, there's whoever. Oh. Hey, it, you're not uh, wrong. I mean, I mean, it was uh, it was brilliant. It was yeah. Absolutely brilliant today. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, one of those practices for Brady where you're reminded who the GOAT really is. It was pretty awesome to watch. We'll get to a lot of details on today's practice, obviously, from him and the brilliance that he kind of showed throughout the day. We've got a lot to talk about today, Josh, because we do want to cover today's practice. But we also have to get to our training camp winners and losers uh, overall, who we're going to touch on um, for this year's camp. Now, not the camp is done. It's not. But things will wind down a little bit because the games will start. And tomorrow will be probably a, a, a similar – my guess would be pretty close to a walkthrough. And, you know, you'll see things start to wind down as you come out of the game. So we'll talk about that, um, of the winners and losers that we've seen from camp. We'll also talk about the new Byron Leftwich news. Um, what else did you want to talk about? Cam Bray coming back. Did they get more reps? You yeah, said actually, something else before the show. What did you want to? Cam Braid and also the depth chart. And you know, the depth you're, chart. You're right too. You know, talking about you know campus kind of winding down today. They were in spiders. You know, they weren't in in full pads. They weren't doing full hitting. So you know, that's going to continue. Tomorrow's a walkthrough. Maybe they'll do like one padded practice a week. Next week will be a little bit interesting with the Titans come to town. How many padded practices they really go at each other during uh, camp with a with the joint practices. But yeah, the depth chart came out. Couple surprises. I I don't know about you, but I was, I, I saw a couple names. I was like, okay, all right. Oh, okay, all right. We'll jump to that in a second. Let's talk about our good friends over at Celsius as we do to start every show. But I am curious to hear your depth chart thoughts because I wasn't surprised by too much, but I am never surprised by the sparkling wild berry because it is the best Celsius drink that's out there. I apologize to all the other Celsius flavors. I can't get enough wild berry, man. Once I get it, it's hard for. Now, I love the other ones, but wild berry. It's tops for me. If you haven't tried Wildberry, check it out. Celsius, though, if you don't know about it, energy drink that has zero sugar and tastes amazing and comes in a bunch of different flavors. If that sounds fake to you, I promise you it's very real. Essential energy accelerates metabolism, burns body fat, and it gives you the boost without the letdown that you get from other energy drinks. It wow. is a game changer. That's uh, it's it's fitting that it's the that, that Celsius is the title sponsor of the Peter Report podcast, which is the number one place where you can find Bucks content anywhere on the web. That covers the goat Tom Brady. That is the game changer because Celsius also is the game changer. But the sparkling wild berry definitely game changer. Oh, and did I mention the fast energy bars? Yeah, the fast energy bars, white chocolate cookies and cream. Let me tell you about this thing, man. The, the protein in this thing: twenty grams, one gram of sugar. That's it. Hard to beat. Hard to get good protein without sugar. I know as somebody who who pursue who makes that pursuit daily, hard to get the two with one without the other. And man, these protein bars really change the game. Plus, they taste great. You can also get the salted caramel peanut crunch, which is actually I think I might like it a little bit more than the white chocolate cookies and cream because I'm out of it. So that the proof is in the pudding, Josh. I'm out of that one, so I must like it a little bit more than the white chocolate cookies and cream. I need to get myself some more of those, but. If you haven't tried them, go over to Celsius.com, check out the fast protein bars, and check out the energy drink flavors that they have there. A bunch of awesome stuff. All right, Josh, tell me. Hit me with it. What's your depth chart observations that blew you away? I will say, though, first before with sticking on Celsius, Wildberry was the first flavor I, I, I tried. And it was actually after Rookie Minicamp, after I spoke with you. I was like, is Celsius a real deal? Come on. I hear you guys plugging. I went to the gas What did I tell you behind the scenes, off the air? What did I tell you? I told it, you. It is. It's great. Celsius yes. powered your trip to Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. It powered my trip to Boston there and back. I drank a few. And, you know, while Wildberry is one of my favorite uh, flavors, I found cola the other day. And me. And let me tell you something. It it tastes amazing, like wow. you know, Coca Cola, rum and coke, or whatever you you want to mix a little mixer. But I mean, just straight up, this cola is like surprisingly really good. So I'm enjoying that. But 
This is ironic, Greg, by the way. Ironic in Canada, we measure temperatures in Celsius, but we can't get the Celsius drink. I'll have to talk to them, see if there's going to be a workaround in the near future and let you know, Greg. Uh, we appreciate that comment for but, sure. Okay, lots of comments, lots of questions in the chat we're already getting to. Before we get to these comments, we'll let the questions build up a little bit. Let the anticipation for the answers that we will provide build up a little bit. Let's get to your thoughts on the depth chart before we move through training camp winners and losers. Well, obviously, I mean, we've talked about it on the show, but, you know, looking at the running back, you know, number one running back spot, it is Ronald Jones ahead of Leonard Fournette, which was kind of, we thought, based off our observations that Ronald Jones would be the guy there. What really kind of jumped out to me was the punt returner situation and the inside linebacker situation. And I know we're watching this, these snaps, you know, these reps and everything like that. And KJ Britt, who we've both talked about, you know, looks you know, a little bit slow and he's a good tackler and he's a thumper linebacker, really not that much of a place for him, but he's, he's, you know, he's clearly been in practice a number two guy. Um, but still just seeing him ahead of a guy like Joe Jones, who's done it for the last four or five years in, in Denver and was the special teams ace seeing KJ Britt ahead of him, but really, you know, Jaden Mickens as a starting punt returner over Jalen Darden. And not only that, also he's as the, the number six wide receiver as well over Jalen Darden, you know, we've, we've praised Mickens up and down on this show about how well he's looked in camp and had another solid practice again today. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of jumped out to me. So yeah, here's what it told me. It told me that these dev charts are worthless before the season <laughs> starts. They are trash. Uh, no, I mean, it's, it's fine. It's something for us all to talk about for sure. I mean, there's some things like Ronald Jones being ahead of Leonard Fournette, is notable. You know, I don't think that's an accident, but when it comes to the rookies, yeah, they're always, they're always pushed to the bottom of the barrel until they get through preseason and then they cut the guys ahead of them and they put them up where they should be. And so I get why that uh, is the case. And I know that that's, you know, obviously Jalen Darden's in a great spot and, and done really well. And, and KJ Britt, you know, I don't think that one's fake. Like he's ahead of Joe Jones, right? I mean, I don't think Joe Jones has done anything in camp to convince me. And I was a guy, I went in and I said, Joe Jones is going to be the inside. He's going to be the fourth guy based on his, his special team's reputation Damn. in Denver. And I still feel like he could be. I'm not saying that competition's over. KJ Britt's been fine. You know, Joe Jones has been fine. Britt's younger and has more years of contact control with him. And he's probably, if he's the same player, then you're obviously going to take Jones uh, or you're obviously going to take uh, KJ Britt. So the one thing I will say within that battle, because you mentioned it and brought it up with the depth charts, is that right now Joe Jones is running as the first team punt team left tackle uh, <laughs> where Cam Gill normally would be, but Cam Gill can't stay in the lineup. So now it's been Joe Jones. It's not been KJ Britt on that first team punt. Obviously, it's not too meaningful right now, but KJ Britt, that's, you know, earn your role in punt coverage, right? Punt coverage is the number one special teams unit, right? I mean, you hardly get any kick returns. You hardly, you know, care on kickoff like i mean you are what the bucks especially they kick it in the end zone like 90 percent of the time on kickoffs they kick it like in the end zone more than any other team in the league so you're already kind of those units don't really matter as much uh, anymore punt return sure it matters but punt coverage is really you don't want to give up anything in punt coverage that's where you got to have your guys and so how joe jones and how kj Britt perform in that capacity during during the preseason games is going to be really really crucial to watch i wasn't surprised by too many things honestly on the depth chart josh um i know that you're right about some of the things you're saying but at the same time it's like i get it i get it i get it all over the place to me you know the mickens thing is interesting Mm -hmm. only because i hope it doesn't mean reps in in uh in the preseason games are given to Mickens over Darden in the return game because Darden did not return that many kicks in college. I think he really needs the live bullets, live game experience of returning kicks. That's not something to me that you can simulate that well in practice because you're never live for a special teams period in practice. So he need Darden to me needs all those reps for the most part. And maybe Mickens at the end of games gets them, but I want to see Darden out there early in the game uh, returning punts. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, you know, we've seen him. He's been out there actually after practice was out there returning kicks, working on his punt return. So I think that's a telltale sign. He'll definitely get some reps out there. I agree. I think you should get all of them. But to me, it was just more of, you know, the observation of how Mickens is done as a wide receiver. And do they try to find a way to keep him on on the roster, especially if Darden does struggle in preseason with with the punt return duties? Not that Mickens was any better last year. I mean, 6.6 yards or, yards a, a punt, it doesn't 
wow you at all. Mm-hmm. Obviously better as a kick returner. But another thing that kind of surprised me too on there was Ross, Ross Cockrell. We've talked about his safety play, how well he's done as mm-hmm. a safety. And, you know, they had him listed. And that was one thing, you know, fans were questioning. I kind of figured they, they'd keep him at the fourth cornerback spot. But mm-hmm. a lot of fans had that question. And, you know, he indeed indeed does land at that fourth cornerback spot, opening up the fourth safety spot. But, you know, that was one thing. You know, are they going to try to put him as a safety now? Is that a full-time switch? Because he's been there, I think, almost every snap in training camp. But it looks like he's still going to be that fourth reserve corner behind the big three. Yeah, I think that you're right about that. Uh, he has, like you said, I think he's been a safety all camp. I don't think he's been a corner hardly at all. So, and for whatever reason, they don't do one on ones corners. And maybe they did early in camp, but I haven't seen it all in the week and a half since I've been back. No one on ones with corners, wide receivers, safeties, linebackers, things like that. So, um, we have gotten to see very little of Cockrell in man coverage. <laughs> so, I mean, no doubt he can still do it. He spent his whole life doing it, you know. So, I mean, I think it's fine, but. Yeah, Cam Braid, I think posted him up. He was a safety. Um, that was kind of a matchup thing in, in the zone. But yeah, no, I I I really think Cockrell is playing really well. And so to see him obviously listed as second team corner, I think was a way to give him props. But also, you know, you wonder going into camp, Javon Hagan, Raven Green, that was a big battle for the fourth safety spot. Hagan has kind of comfortably remained in there. Raven Green's missed a few practices, probably based on not being available today is going to miss that first preseason game. So a ton of snaps coming the way of Javon Hagan. They probably will risk Mike Edwards. And uh, with Jordan Whitehead already out, they'll probably risk very little injury to Mike Edwards and to Antoine Winfield. I do think you'll see Ross Cockrell play a lot of safety, and I think you'll see Javon Hagan play a lot of safety. And we'll get to see Lawrence White in there too. But Bucks are a little banged up at that spot now with Raven Green and, and Jordan Whitehead out. So plenty of Javon Hagan coming your way and plenty of it on, on – uh, special teams as well. So lots to observe about him. The Gunners, by the way, today for punt team, I know everybody's been waiting. Jamel Dean, like it was last year, and replacing Ryan Smith, Antonio Hamilton. And the backup Gunners, Nate Brooks on the left side, and on the right side, backing up Antonio Hamilton, Keyshawn Vaughn. So he is a guy to watch as a Gunner. If Vaughn wants to play, on not make the team, he's going to make the team, I think. If Vaughn wants to play, on Sundays and one's a hat on game days, be the gunner, right? That's that's the path for him, right? You can find another role maybe for a guy like, I mean, uh, Jamel Dean, obviously he's going to be out there defensively. You got to be able to replace Dean at one of the gunner spots and have it be Vaughn and Hamilton. That's what the Bucs would like to have happen. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen or not. Last observation on the special team spirit, actually two more, two more observations. Ross Cockrell is still the up back. Yep. So if you remember my rant about that, about saying Ross Cockrell's only game as an up back in his life, as far as we can tell, at least in his NFL career, was in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. What unbelievable trust they have in Ross Cockrell, asking him to do all kinds of new things at age 30. And uh, not only that, but it's uh, right now it's looking like uh, he's going to be the up back when the season begins as well, because he has been the up back pretty every time they went to punt, he's been the first team up back. So hope nobody breaks through because I don't know if Cockrell's blocking anybody, but he is smart and he can call things out and get them set up so maybe that's what they're betting on at that point in time hopefully <laughs> the other thing interesting about punk coverage tyler johnson not been on it at all i haven't seen tyler johnson at all on special teams have you i mean i, I, I don't see- even think there's an effort to get him there really no i i think i saw him on on one of the special teams units yesterday or the other day but i really not consistently yeah. not it's, consistently it's kind of what I mean, if you can't do it, you can't do it. Like, I don't – so are they just going to roll up six receivers and none of them play teams? Then you really need Keyshawn Vaughn to be a gunner. Like, yeah, you really need a running back. I mean, running backs as gunners are pretty rare, but you need something out of the ordinary to, to give you the flexibility receiver to use none of those guys on coverage teams. Um, last year it was Watson, and, and so this year if there's nobody, like if you're on six deep a receiver on game day and none of them are special teamers – other than the return game. That's it's pretty rare. So and we'll I'll see what you, happens. I'll tell you what, though. You know, even Johnson's making it a hard case after getting called out. He got some praise today from Bruce. Yeah. He's making a really hard case not to be active on game days because he's just – he's he's looked really impressive. And, and we've said it before, in 11 on 11s, I don't think he dropped the ball today. He's looked very impressive. And, you know, he's got that big body frame. And, you know, Bruce talked about his blocking ability and, you know, his catching ability. So it's going to be hard for them not to be able to to find a way to, 
make him active even if he's not on teams. I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you're saying the same thing. No, I am. I think it's a great observation. He's been really, really good and more impressive has gone on. There are drops here and there, and they're just mental things. Takes the eye off the ball, I think, a little bit. But it, he had those in college. He's probably always going to have those to a degree, Tyler Johnson. You're going to have to live with those. But you live with it to, for this kind of stuff he did against Nate Brooks down the seam, just yeah. mossing him. Like, just a great contested catch, twisting and turning down the seam in the air, deep ball at the goal line. He makes tough catches. He makes tough plays. He knows how to get open. Um, he's physical and he blocks. He can play inside or he can play outside. There's too much about Tyler. This is why we said all along we were talking about, okay, how do you get him on the field? How do you get him active on game days? You know, it was kind of like, well, at the end of the day, like he might have a hard time finding many snaps this year unless somebody gets hurt. But long term, I you can't let him go because I think he still factors in to the receiver room a, a lot. So I was a little scared when Bruce Arians was as upset with him as he was early in the in the in the process this preseason, uh, this training camp. But now Bruce Arians hearing him today, it felt it affirmed. I asked him straight up. I was like, tell us what's the story here with Tyler Johnson? Is he improving? And Bruce was like, dude. He's doing awesome. Like he's back. He's only got a pound or two more to lose. Probably he's had seven or eight great practices in a row. He's blocking really, really well. He was effusive in his praise of Tyler Johnson. Uh, very unsimilar un to how he described Tanner Hudson yesterday. And so it makes me, <laughs> makes me feel like Tyler Johnson, you might be able to say he, he came back and he could be listed in the camp winners as we transition to the winners losers part of this. Would you be so bold as to put Tyler Johnson in your camp winners, J.C. Allen? He is actually in my winner. In wow. My, yeah, okay. because, you know, yeah, he got that. Even though he got, you know, kind of chewed out, called out, whatever you want to say by Bruce, he's still been very impressive all camp. Um, you know, he's built that relationship and that foundation, that trust with Tom Brady, which as a young wide receiver going back to, you know, watching him in New England is very difficult. You look at the list and the, and the you know, numerous names of young wide receivers that they drafted and brought in that just couldn't get on the same page with Brady. And he's done everything that he can to earn Brady's trust. And you're seeing that out there on 11-11 team periods, you know, even when they're just on air, you know, the routes that he's running, the catches he's make, the trust that, you know, Brady's, Brady's showing him. You know, he's looked like we, we had that question last week. Could he potentially get cut? But I mean, he just yeah. keeps. And, and one of the things Bruce, uh, Bruce Aarons likes to talk about is stacking practices. And he just yeah, keeps yeah. stacking practices. And he just mm -hmm. looks, you know, he just looks good out there. Catching the he ball, does. smooth, natural, as you said, inside, outside, blocking. You know, I just don't. The blocking don't, is, yeah. The blocking yeah, is I, low key a big thing, isn't it, Josh? Like, you don't know what the future is with Chris Godwin. You just got to be prepared for other scenarios. And if you were to even lose Chris Godwin, who's who's been banged up a few times over the last, nothing serious, but over the last two years, you know, you want to have a plan B. And right now, if you want to keep running, you'd have to change things. If you lost Chris Godwin, you didn't have Tyler yeah. Johnson. You know, you'd have to change some things. There's not a, the fact that they feel like they found maybe a oh, mini Godwin. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's, that's something that they're going to want to hang on to. So. I'm th this wide receiver room is nuts, dude. I mean, the fact that Josh Pearson has had as good a camp as he's had and the fact that Travis Johnson has made some of the plays he's made and they don't have a prayer. They don't have a prayer, brother, of making this roster. Like it's, it's It reminds me, and you can relate to back, you know, when the Steelers were winning the championships mm -hmm. and, the, and the Pats, you know, you'd have these guys that looked really good and you're like, oh, maybe they can sneak him on the practice squad. But, you know, you, you remember that the entire league is watching your guys too. And yeah. I... There's going to be some really good names or guys that people are rooting for, you know, to bring back on the practice squad. They're going to get opportunities on the active roster somewhere else. And some of these wide receivers, I definitely think are going to be like Mickens. If they don't hold on to Mickens, if somehow they don't do that, like injury thing where they do with Mulchin and Johnson last year, where they, you know, keep a guy and put him on the act on the IR of the three week yeah. IR right away, they're going to lose some people. And, and you know, I think Mickens is gone. We talked about it. Ledbetter might be gone. They've got to be very careful of how they construct this roster, who they can kind of wink, nod, you know, yeah. say, we'll bring you right back. No one, might, no one claims you, but yeah. it's going to be definitely interesting. Tyler Johnson, in my mind, winner, and he's a clear cut not getting – he's not in that category. Yeah, he's going to make the team right out of camp. I agree with you. I have, my questions about Tyler Johnson have been answered, I think, enough at this point. Now, preseason will still be interesting. Does he even play special teams? Do they make any effort? Because if he, they're not even trying to get him out there on special teams, then they don't even care. Like, they don't care if their sixth receiver plays special teams. Have I ever heard of that? No, I've never heard of that. But <laughs> that's where we're at. And so they're going to have to find, replace him with other guys. Your number three corner is probably going to play on all your special teams. You know, your top two corners are going to play on your kickoff coverage. You know, did it last year, some with Carlton Davis and SMB and 
maybe Dean's out there too, but those guys are going to be on kick coverage. And, you know, so that that's, they're going to have to get creative and do things other teams probably wouldn't do. Maybe things I wouldn't do, but that if you're going to have six receivers and yeah, you got to do it. The new kick coverage and everything like that. I feel like the rule changes they've made. It's the not, kick coverage, I agree. Yeah, it's not as dangerous as it used to yeah. be, guys. And you know? hey, they don't plan on punting much, right, Josh? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, if they if they're punting a lot in a game, something's not. Yeah, that's right. Really wrong. <laughs> We've got bigger issues than Tyler yeah. Johnson not playing special teams if you're punting and you're the box. Who's your first winner of camp? Well, let me answer this question because it transitions into my first winner of camp. Paul A wants to know how many reps are you seeing Geo get? On early downs and 11 on 11s, I assume he's used in packages outside of just third downs, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know a count exactly, Paul, but yes, he is getting used on early downs and 11 11s. There has been a rotation, even in run periods and things where the periods where they're running the ball more, where Giovanni Bernard is coming onto the field and he's getting those carries after guys like uh, Rojo and Leonard go through. So, yeah, it's clear that he's going to be more than just the pass catching back. I know he was listed third on the depth chart. That doesn't mean anything, except if you put Leonard third, he might be upset. So that's all that means. Like Giovanni Bernard is going to play a lot of snaps. There's no doubt. I know they're excited about him for sure, and I know they can't believe their good fortune that he's a Buccaneer, yeah. and he is the perfect oh. player for them. Like He's, he's going to play. Arians will not be able to help himself when he sees what Gio can do in the passing game and in pass protection, he knows how important this is going to be. So uh, he is getting used outside of packages and he's one of my big camp winners. I mean, just what he brings this team in terms of pass protection at the running back position, I can't overstate it. And in terms of being a quality locker room guy and a leader at that group, you know, say what you want about how Leonard Fournette's matured and I give him props and I've given him props on this podcast. Say what you want about how he's matured. I don't know that anyone would describe him or Ronald Jones as leaders of positional units throughout their careers. That's probably not what I would say is their strength. So the fact that Bernard can come into that group, be a totally different personality than Leonard and a totally different personality than Rojo uh, and a very different personality than Keyshawn Vaughn, who's just still a young pup. It's uh, They needed that. They needed some of that maturity, some of that workmanship in that room, I think, somebody to model things. There are so many layers to the Gio Bernard signing. It's one of the most perfect fits in the whole offseason and whole free agency. It's just it's fantastic. He did become a free agent late in the process, uh, obviously. Like but win, yeah, it was win. It know? is. It's the Gio old office. Brady wins. Yeah. The Bucks win. Everybody wins with Gio being here in Tampa. Right. Michael Scott would be proud. Uh, <laughs> people want to know about Grant Stewart before we move uh, into some more winners. Um, no. Just no. Uh, just a no for me. I don't, I don't have much Great more guy. to say. Great guy, great hair, Mr. Relevant for a reason. <laughs> That's harsh. Which segues into my first loser of camp. Who <laughs> He's just going to absolutely <laughs> curb stop Grant Stewart's stop. Oh, no, and it's not Grant Stewart, but it's the same oh. position, and we're going to go with, with Joe Jones here. I mean, oh. you're, you're talking about a veteran guy, inside linebacker, who played um, – you know, in Denver, was a special teams leading tackle the last four years. He, he played with Shaq, talked about how excited he was to come back and play with Shaq again. And, and from everything John has heard, and I reached out to somebody out there too, great guy, great locker room presence. Mm -hmm. You know, he was really, you know, enjoyed by, by you know, the, the, the team and the people around him, um, you know, and, and had good things to say when he w had limited snaps in the linebacker role. In Tampa, mm, just flat. I haven't seen anything that's really impressed me from him. I haven't. I mean, he should be able to beat out two rookie linebackers, especially one who's as slow as KJ Britt and who, who's a more classic thumper who would excel in the league 10 years ago. And he just hasn't shown me anything. I, I don't know about you, how you feel. I, 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 I know it's harsh, but I think you're right. More right than wrong, for sure. Uh, you know, Joe Jones brings it physically. No question there. Um, dude is thick with multiple C's and he is a big linebacker. They don't really make him like that too often these days. He's actually built not that dissimilarly from uh, KJ Britt or yeah, from KJ Britt. So I, neither of them really fit the modern day game. And so I'm willing to kind of reserve my judgment and to see special teams, because to me, the ceiling for both guys is probably just being special teamers and, being run thumpers, you know, when they do get to play defensively, which hopefully a team would probably prefer that they don't. Um, <laughs> so that's, so yeah, it's fair to call him a loser of camp. I think to me, uh, we'll go to loser and then we'll go back to winners. Um, I think Leonard Fournette, I'm not going to, you know, belabor it. I know everybody thinks I hate Leonard Fournette. I don't at all. Uh, yeah, I just, 
<laughs> I just don't, you know, to me, this group is just loaded with talented players everywhere. Rojo, Giovanni Bernard, and then the, the tight ends and the wide receivers. I, I just get frustrated when a group with this many playmakers waste touches on Leonard Fournette. I just, to me, I just don't think he brings you anything and he consistently gets below what's there. And so that, I don't think that can be said of anybody else who will touch the ball in this offense. They consistently get more than what you get, or at least get what's there to to to, ha- to be had. So I just I don't I don't like wasting touches at a guy like that. Another team, maybe I could I would be kinder, but to me, he's dropped the ball a ton in camp. He's had false starts, he's had penalties, he's had mistakes, um, he's missed protections uh, or not missed assignments as in mental mistakes as much as just whiffing on guys. He's just not good at the little things that it takes to be an every down back in this league. And Rojo's a better pure runner. So the Leonard Fournette experiment to me is, I don't know. I think it should be a decreased role this season for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Um, again, I think that running back room will be pretty much game plan specific, but you're really, you know, if, if it calls for more Leonard Fournette, then you, you might get a little more Leonard Fournette. But for the most part, I think you're going to see a lot of Rojo and Geo and you know, Lenny, Lenny sprinkled in, and he might not like that. And that might, you know, I'm not – aren't trying to start controversy yeah. that, but you may see uh, a running back needy team mid-season you know trade if if Keyshawn Vaughn maybe this is good but I, I just Keyshawn Vaughn would have to look great I think they would just be fine or Leonard would have to be very disgruntled I think uh Scott and I or Mark and I, or Matt and I talked about this the other day maybe but disgruntled Lenny could be the next version of Lenny that comes back <laughs> you know he was today he was talking about the different versions of himself in Tampa Bay which I did find humorous I think Lenny's funny like I like Lenny yeah. like personality wise, like he's grown on me for sure. And I think he's grown himself. I think he's admitted he's matured a lot since he's been in Tampa Bay. Oh, sure. So I think that deserves applause. I just, yeah, hard to justify playing him a whole, whole lot at my at this point. So there's been some discussion in the chat about Whitehead. I just wanted to clarify that Whitehead is out due to an injury an undisclosed injury. Um, and we don't know what his prognosis is at this point in time. Um, and Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator for the team was out today with personal for personal reasons. Bruce Aarons isn't sure when he'll be back, but he thinks he's hoping by Saturday, by the game on Saturday. So it doesn't sound like a long-term thing for Byron Leftwich, but whatever's going on with him, we definitely wish him well. Uh, thoughts and prayers there. I uh, don't know how what the situation is really exactly at all, no, and we don't want to speculate either. So we're in training camp too, and we've Bruce has been very vocal about, hey, don't miss your kids. This don't miss family stuff. Right. So it could we be know something- it's not COVID related, by the way. Yes, Sorry. It, go ahead. Yeah. It could be something just as simple as a family. Family thing going on, not emergency, not health wise. You know, we have no idea, but you know, he'll be back hopefully soon. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, uh, winners of camp. Uh, I'm just going to go with a guy. I don't know if you guys have heard of this player or if you're very familiar with him. A little known player named Tom Brady. Uh, he has been on. I know it's it might be like so cliche to say Brady at this point, but come on, like today was ridiculous. Like it was ridiculous. Like he just. I mean, how many throws in the first couple minutes of practice are just like what is going on? And I heard for some Bucks fans who were down at practice today for the first time and really their first chance probably for a lot of people, but given how last year's attendance went to, to be, yeah, it was loud today. And a lot of people seeing Brady for the first time and they can't believe this guy's in a Bucks uniform. And it's so fun to be in the media and hear the conversations behind us and just like Brady's unreal. Like, you know, <laughs> like oh, yeah. it's just funny. I mean, they, they, there is to see Brady as a buck. I know for a lot of Bucks fans has to be just like surreal and every practice is just like, it's just awesome. I mean, he makes throws every practice, and I'm like, what? But the throw today uh, down the down the outside to Darden, who just had a step on Wilcox, safety was coming over, couldn't get there in time. It was like thrown for distance, but with zip and velocity, like 40 yards. I mean, it was a rope right in Darden's hands between two guys, tight window. I mean, it was just one of those throws where you're like, all right, like this guy's absolutely on one today. There's nothing we can do. 44. <laughs> it's just Crazy. ridiculous. Like, I remember last year at training camp, you know, coming down here because I used to go to training camp every single year when mm. I was in New England watching the Patriots, watching Tom. And the first thir- first thing I said when I saw him throw last year was, when did he, how was, how do you, when did he, how is he doing that? Mm-hmm. Like I haven't seen that in years. And like, man, he, as you said, just zipping it deep ball velocity is everything. You know, he's looked absolutely rejuvenated here in Tampa. His deep ball, one of the best in the game last year. And he's continuing to put on clinic practice after practice. And today mm-hmm. with that 
Garden was just amazing. Yeah. Oh, he had some throws today, man. Oh my goodness. The back shoulder throw to Godwin. And oh, he was, I mean, a couple of touchdowns. He's he's one of the winners of camp. So enough said there. Uh, who's your next winner of camp? I mean, I'm gonna I I could go either the easy way out and say Ross Cockrell's been amazing because Ross Cockrell has been amazing. But I think you guys have heard us talk about Ross Cockrell enough. But he's definitely on my winners. I don't know if I stole him from your list, but I mean, uh, I mean, but everybody's gonna say Ross Cockrell. If you don't say Ross Cockrell, you weren't a Bucks practices. Like, yeah, um, you know, another good winner is I think you know the the starting wide receiver. I'm gonna lump them all in there. You know, Mike Evans looks in in midseason form. He's mm-hmm. just out there battling and just ripping balls away from Carlton Davis and and other. There was one play in particularly that. You know the the Bucks defenders on defense. They left like gave him like five yards around a perimeter around him, and I'm just like, you can't let Mike Evans do that. And then he caught it, and obviously, you know, got some yak afterwards before he got you know tackled, wrapped up. But he's looked amazing. Some of the catches that Chris Godwin has made, and you talked about it in today's practice report and tweeted it out. I mean, he just went up there leaping. Some of the body adjustments that he's made is just insane. And then Antonio Brown. I mean, you can speak on him from watching him mm. in Pittsburgh, but he just looks absolutely amazing. So I'm just going to lump those three guys in together. The wide receiver, the, t- the top three wide receivers have been hands down the winners. And because of your winner that you had last, they've been able to look just amazing because, you know, with Brady yeah. throwing the ball, they're just absolutely on fire. I, I see this comment a couple weeks in a row, and I just want to like put this out there because Cl- Tony Saylor saying Clyde Christensen is the most useless coach in history. <laughs> How do you quarterback coach Brady and Manning? I get it, like, but that's so easy to say, right? Like, he happened to be in rooms where he coached two of the best ever. So did Arians. I mean, like, I mean, obviously Arians has done other stuff too, but Clyde is. I don't think he was a good OC, but I don't think there's anybody who's played for Clyde that would that would. I think they would go on and on about how important he is. Not only for the football coaching part of it because he's so good with people, but he cares about players. He cares about their well-being. He cares about them physically, spiritually, mentally. He is kind of like that figure in every coaching room that he's been in. Um, He is really a caretaker of players. And so there is the – I mean, I heard him coach. Like I hear the way that he talks to players. On, uh, I mean, I think he just – the way he addresses people is just really – I don't know. I just want to stick up for Clyde because I know he gets a bum rap because he's coached with two of the goats, but he's a reason why he's taught them something about being the way that he's been obviously manning a lot more than Brady. But um, yeah, I, I think Clyde is a very good coach. Not everybody is necessarily the same type of coach, but he is an important figure in every coaching room that he's been. in. I think everybody who's worked with him uh, would say that for sure. Uh, not that he was a great OC. I get that part. Um, Another big winner of camp has been uh, Nick Leverett, I think. Um, we've talked about him on this show. He's been really outstanding because he's played multiple positions, JC, and it, all of them he's really looked pretty good at. Uh, I talked about this yesterday, so I won't belabor it, but competitive fire, um, physicality, nastiness, confidence. Uh, he's shown all of those things in camp. Those things are really important. You are you know, a guy that is not a high pedigree player without great athleticism or anything. You are probably going to get beat if you go up against the best of the best. But are you going to battle every single snap, even when you take an L? Like, And I fully believe that if Nick Leverett has to get in the game, he is going to empty the clip trying to destroy people. He is not one of these ninth offensive lineman projects that's going to be inactive every week. If he has to play, he kind of is what he is, but he's going to absolutely go down swinging. And I love that. I'd rather have that in a ninth O lineman than the, you know the Chaz Greens going out and getting torched for <laughs> six sacks against Adrian Claiborne. Like you're gonna get a guy that competes every snap, even if they give up a sack or give up a play here or there. Uh, and the guy who's getting better and playing multiple spots. So big win for the Bucks to get what they've gotten from Nick Leverett during this um, this training camp period, and hopefully that can continue in preseason because he could be an important piece for them down the road. You never know. Yeah, especially with this line too. If he's got to go in with the other guys on this line, I think they can kind of mask some of his, uh, you know, deficiencies. But you've heard it from the players. You heard it from Jensen. You heard it from Marpet. You heard it from Bruce today, um, and, and or was it yesterday? Rather, you know, they they like him. They've seen a lot of potential, a lot of growth in him, and and you know, I think we wrote about him the other day. I think you're right. I think this guy's had has definitely had a great camp. Another winner too. Uh, it's more of those group winners. The Bucks coaching staff. I mean, they oh, nice. Yeah. Such a great job 
And, you know, I keep saying it and I'll say it again to, to hammer it home. It's like having like a teacher's aide in, a, in yeah. a classroom of like 20. You have so many specific coaches to help. You know, you have two defensive line coaches, three offensive line coaches, you know, with the fellowship, uh, with the coaching fellows that they have now, they're getting even more one-on-one and, and they just, you know, shout out to Arians, shout out to the Glazers for allowing them to have such a big staff because you can see the difference. You can see how quickly these guys are picking things up, how quickly they're developing. I mean, Joe Tryon, who should probably be on the winner's list, Jalen Darden, who should be on the winner's list. You know, they're getting great coaching from Larry Foote and Kevin Garver. And, you know, the, the, the coaching staff as a whole just continues to impress me year after year on how quickly they can get these guys uh, developed, acclimated, and really contributing in the system. And I know we haven't seen it yet from the rookies yet, but, man, I mean, mm-hmm. even from the undrafted players, we've talked about him today. He's not going to make my list, but uh, Ponder, you know, mm-hmm. a guy who played defensive tackles making the switch to outside linebacker. Yeah. No, I yeah. think it's understated about Bruce Arians and his staff, but they are just elite at developing players and people. Like, they're great at that. Uh, if you, you could knock Arians for X's and O's over the years and maybe not as adjusting as much as other people have and being stubborn at times. And, um, you know, but at the end of the day, like the way they develop players and people and culture, elite. I don't think he can be questioned. Uh, I think the evidence speaks for itself everywhere that he's ever been. Uh, the evidence clearly speaks for itself. He is one of the best to ever do it in that regard. And his staff, he hires the right people to fit the culture. And I think that that's really, really important and understated at times too. Bucks time 12 is getting antsy. I missed the part where we <laughs> talk about how effing great Tryon is looking. You didn't miss it, Bucks time 12. This is that part. Joe Tryon is definitely one of my winners from training camp. Man, the guys haven't played football in a long time. Like that's that in and of itself, you know, to come out and look that impressive in the NFL. Uh, yeah, I've been not played for almost two years. I mean, that's kind of crazy. And he's not only that, he's looked really, really good. Yeah, there has been a lot of unblocked opportunities that Bruce Arians has mentioned, but the way a guy moves tells you a lot. Like, and the way he carries himself, I said this about Leverett. Like, you know, there's questions I have with players from time to time. I don't usually say them because I don't feel right judging him off a short interaction. But when a guy conducts himself like Tryon and interviews like Tryon and works like Tryon and has a body like Tryon and then competes and is physical like Tryon, it's kind of easy to say, all right, this guy's got all the, the stuff that you need to be great. Um, I was so impressed with him in the interview, the media session the other day, just how he handled himself, how he handled questions, how he addressed things, thoughtful, and then going over and talking to Simeon Rice and looking him in the eye and just you know trying to glean as much knowledge as he could from Simeon and, and that exchange. I just think he's made of the right stuff. I think he's going to be a really good one. Um, I think the year, the fact that he is a tar- hard evaluation because there was the year off for him and he was so raw. And then the last time we saw him on tape, but he's trending in the right direction. I don't think he's going to be like a great full time player this year, and they don't need him to be. You know, I think he's going to be a pass rush specialist and he's going to make his splashes uh, whenever he can in that type of a role. But number one guy, I can't wait to see in the preseason oh, yeah. on Saturday. I cannot wait to see him. Just the way they're using him too today. Today he lined up as a middle linebacker and then did a stunt where he he spun around outside and almost got after the quarterback. You know, there's some good lo- offensive line blocking there, and uh, I think it was Gabbard who got the ball out quick. But just the variety of ways they can use him. We've talked about how how different lineups they've had out there, allowing them to get both pass rushers and Shaq and JPP with him out. Mm-hmm. This is what they're going to be able to do and how quick he's getting it, so they can do these different ske- schematic things on defense. So yeah, I mean. He's looking really good. Again, no preseason games yet, you know, not regular season. So let's see. Let's hold our reservations yeah. on how good he can actually look until we get to see him actually hitting and not pulling back because it's, I was talking to you about it today. It's so hard to judge, you know, running backs and edge rushes because mm-hmm. running backs aren't getting tackled and they're not really, you know, are they breaking a tackle? Will this go for that much? The whistle's not blown dead once he gets wrapped. Could he have broken that? And then edge rushers as well, like, if he's not pulling back, is that a sack? Is that a strip? Is that a forced fumble? But right. being able to get to look at him is really going to be it. But so far, so good. And it looks like the Bucks may have gotten a steal. I mean, I don't. Yeah. Looks I like think it's been a, a top. Right. Player. It's early to say, but it it's the early returns are. I mean, you know, people know I was kind of on the fence about trying. I didn't know where it was going to go. And I am much more on the side of this was a good pick than I was even at the yes. draft. So. That's how I feel about where that uh, process has gone with him at this point in time. And the Bucks, by the way, are pretty excited too, I think. Um, okay. okay, before we get to more of the camp losers, we do have to talk about the negative. We are an unbiased, fair podcast, so we need to talk about the negative. Before we do that, talk to us about Spotify Greenroom, Josh. What's going on? What's happening in the world of Spotify Greenroom, and why should people join Spotify Greenroom and listen? 
Yeah, Spotify Greenroom uh, is, a, is an amazing vocal uh, audio app where you can go in and have conversations with people all around the world. I've actually met people like our contributors here, Haas Juke, uh, Jack, mm. uh, Jack Barrett, and Paul Atwell. I first met them on that app, uh, and just their X's and O's knowledge is amazing. But we do, we do Bucks Rooms there every week. But other than that, if you want to talk about music, culture, sports, um, the NBA draft just happened, Summer League. Olympics were just going on. So there was a lot of stuff to dive into and talk sports. Um, there's always music rooms going on, culture rooms. Uh, they do this culture draft anyone can sign up for where I think they did one was like top Disney movies of all time. And you draft the Disney movies and then people vote on who had the best Disney movie list. And there's all sorts of stuff going on there. Uh, watch parties for games is amazing. So like during the regular season, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there'll be rooms open for that watch parties. Everyone can talk about, it, discuss it. It's a way to find your voice and be part of the conversation instead of just, you know, kind of listening to the conversation sometimes, which is nice. It's nice to have a podcast and listen and get that. But sometimes you you want to jump in and and have a conversation about stuff. And that's why we encourage you guys when we're doing these rooms to come in there, ask your questions to me and John, ask your questions to Matt when he's there and really be part of the conversation instead of listening to the conversation. So it's a great it's a great app. Definitely download it in the App Store or the Google Play Store today and jump on Spotify Greenroom. Absolutely. All right. Uh, people want to know, Gary asked a good question, actually. I apologize, Gary. I did not explain this very well. How does Tryon move? Is he explosive or a power rusher? To be a good power rusher, you have to be explosive, I think. I don't know anybody that's a good power rusher other than Vita Vea and like maybe a couple guys in history, human history, not just NFL history, that have been built like that, that aren't that explosive but are still great power rushers. Most of the time, you need that, just science of things. The momentum obviously creates the power. So Tryon has a little bit of both. But more than anything with Tryon, when I say how he moves, just like the fact that he can move as fast as he does, as tall as he is, but play as low to the ground as he does. Like just flexibility, pad level, things like that. Usually if you have that in your physical, you can figure out the rest over time. Like if you have the burst and the, and the flexibility and you're not soft, um, you can you can figure out how to be a good pass rusher like at, at that NFL size. Um, so I think that that's what he's kind of on his way to doing. Um, they talk about his tool set. We've seen probably less of that so far just because he's only had like two one-on-ones all camp. I don't know why. I should have asked Bruce Arians about that. Why is he hardly getting any one-on-one? I don't know if Arians isn't even over there. I don't know if he'd even know, but uh, he has hardly had any one-on-ones. And so in the team sessions, like I said, he's been on block sometimes. He has kind of ripped and dipped around the edge a little bit. We've seen some inside counter moves, kind of just a jab step and stepping back inside. We've seen bull rushes too. So he does have the power element. That was encouraging to me because – in college, he tried to be a power rusher, but it wasn't that successful for him. He's had more success, I think, in camp, and so we'll just see how it goes uh, from that point in time. All right, a couple uh, losers from camp to me. I'll just go through a few off the top of my head. Uh, it's just more like, eh, I don't think they did anything in camp. You know, I mean, I'm not worried about Shaq Barrett or Rob Gronkowski, but I don't think they did anything in camp. Like, nothing has stood out from either of those guys in camp. I mean, Shaq Barrett's lost a lot of one-on-ones, and some of them were to guys that I didn't even chew me – Odiki, I don't know, whatever his name is. Like, I don't, I don't know what his name is, but Jose Jack Barrett lost a rep to him. Yeah, <laughs> not the kicker, no. Um, OJ Howard has not had a great camp. I mean, I just doesn't mean he won't have a great regular season. Doesn't mean he's a boss. Doesn't mean they should have traded him. Doesn't mean anything. Like, just he hasn't had a great camp. You know, he's still getting used to the physicality again, uh, for sure. He's not made a couple of tough catches that he could make. He's had some drops. Uh, he's had some plays, too. I mean, he's definitely had opportunities, and he's made plays, for sure. I mean, he beat Grant Stewart down the seam, and, you know, there's a lot of NFL linebackers that are the same speed as Grant Stewart that he's going to be able to run by in this offense with the matchups he'll get. So he is going to st- – I still think he's going to be a useful player this year, uh, but it's really about mentally where he's at. Can he get? Can he be aggressive? Can he be, uh, 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 you know, a dude out there? You know, can he, can he play that way on a regular basis? It's a huge year for him. I mean, he's been banged up but he's shown the talent that they drafted him for too. And so which way is his career going to go? Is it going to go the disappointing path or follow the flashes that we've seen too? It's big year and he's got to be better than he's been in camp. Yeah, it's all health for him. I mean, if he's healthy and he can go out there, it was kind of interesting to see. I know the depth chart, which doesn't mean much, but it was interesting to see they listed as 12 personnel with, with two tight ends out there. And OJ Howard was one of the starters. Um, you know, I think they'll. I think we'll see a bunch of that personnel out there. But again, it's, it comes down to health because you can use them as a pseudo wide receivers in some in some packages. But I mean, I'm going to stick with tight ends too. And this guy has had an amazing camp. He's caught 
dang near everything thrown his way. Had an impressive catch again today. Just keeps catching the ball. But, you know, to make this team, you have to be multifaceted. And there's enough pass-catching tight ends on this team. There, there just mm. is enough wide receivers on this team. And one thing that Bruce called out yesterday and one thing that I asked him in the offseason is Tanner Hudson, How have you? what have you tried to do to improve your blocking? And it's from Bruce's comments, not much. He said he regressed, blocked somebody, anybody, his exact mm. word. Um, so Tanner Hudson, while he's been an amazing receiver at, at tight end out of camp, hasn't picked it up as a blocker. And that's how that's what they need on this team is another guy who can, can uh, who can effectively block and do it, you know, consistently and yeah. it hasn't shown up. Tanner Hudson is to me better than Cody McElroy as a receiver. But yeah. Cody McElroy is listed ahead of Tanner Hudson on the depth chart, and that's not an accident. Um I how do I, I say it? was a Bruce thing, like a call. Let me call him out today. Let me put him on the on I, the ship might be sailing for young Tanner. Look, let's just be honest. Today we asked him about Cody McElroy, and it was a great I forget who asked. It was a great question by whoever asked because yeah, that's the battle. Let's be real. Like Daquan Hampton and Drew Adams probably aren't making this team. And he said Cody McElroy is getting better. He's still kind of new to football. Obviously, his background wasn't in football. And so he's still kind of new to football. And so he's still learning some things. We're still teaching him things other guys kind of naturally know. But he's very talented. And he'll stick his face in the fan and get after it as a blocker, even yeah. if he's not good. And Tanner Hudson, he did not say that about block <laughs> anybody, somebody, anybody. Yeah. Bruce Arians thinks one guy isn't soft, and I don't know what he thinks about the other guy. That's that's it. I mean, I'm not reading between the lines too much there to reach that conclusion, <laughs> right, Josh? Like, no, that's what he not. thinks. One guy's a tough guy. One guy will give him all that and 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 more as a blocker, even if he sucks at it. And McElroy isn't a good blocker at all, and he just doesn't know if Tanner Hudson's going to give him that at this point in his career. So, I, I mean, I frankly don't really care which one they keep because I don't. If either of them play, I'd think you're probably in trouble, but. Tanner Hudson's made some great catches in camp, and McElroy's dropped a lot more balls than Hudson has. Um, we talked about that today. I mean, who cares? I mean, I just I know Bruce <laughs> wants guys that are tough, but like if Hudson's a better receiver and McElroy isn't as good at either, even though he tries hard, I still don't I think don't they know. keep four. I just I just don't see why they would keep four. I think you, you can sneak one of those guys in the practice squad, protect them, call them up if you need them. I don't they think sh- I don't. Yeah, I agree with you. They should not keep four. Neither are special teams assets, by the way, either. Which you need if you're going to play six receivers, and none of them are going to play special teams well, on game days. You get the opportunity as Tanner Hudson to catch a touchdown in the Super Bowl, and you drop it. No, like, he messed up the route. It was worse, Josh. He messed up the route. Drops whatever they happen. It sucks, but he messed up the route. You can't mess up the route in a Super Bowl. That's your touchdown from Tom Brady, buddy. Super Bowl, like, oh. I mean, and he's a great guy, great locker room guy, great personality, yeah. everything like that. But I just, I don't see it. Uh, I, I just don't see it. Another one of my losers is John Mulchin. You know, I think I'm not alone that, you know, came into this, uh, this training camp and said, this guy's probably going to be, you know, your ninth offensive lineman. They liked him a lot last year, kept him on the active roster, put him on IR. So they didn't lose him, you know, didn't sub- subject him to waivers. And while he was with the second team today, snapping at center, showing his position flexibility, Nick Lavrette has just passed him by, and and until Donald Stanley was out, so did Sedarius Hutchinson. Um, you know, again, it's it's hard to pick out you know winners and losers. Everybody's because, passed motion by, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, he's playing center now with the second team because two centers are out in Hainsey and Stanley. But Stanley was playing over him at center. Stinney and Hutcherson and Leverett all played over him at guard. He doesn't play tackle, but Chidi Okiki has been out there. I mean. Yeah. He's the last guy right now. I I thought Molson was had a shot at making the team last year, and now he's like the last guy. Yeah, and it, I mean, hey, it it's is what it is. another another um another two guys at Tub Club. I mean, Cam uh, Cam Gill and Raven Green. You know, Raven Green missed the first week with yeah. you know personal issues, and now he's been out multiple practices. Cam Gill came back, but now he's still out. Uh, you know, can't make the club from the tub, and especially you know, not as those guys. Yeah, no, like, and. They liked him a lot last year on special teams. He got the half sack in the Super Bowl, but man, you can't miss this many practices. And I like well, Quentin Bell in there too for missing yeah. a couple games. You know, you got to he missed a couple. And honestly, Quentin Bell's been worse than Elijah Ponder. Like I said this to you today at practice, but Elijah Ponder is better than Ladarius. I mean, no, we haven't talked about him at all. But he's a converted D tackle. He was a small D tackle in college. He's been all right as like a pass rusher. He has That's like some today. real like. 
He looks like Marcus Golden, honestly. I bet that's if we ask Bruce because he, he drafted Golden, I think. Uh, I bet he would say he reminded us some of them. I'm going to have to ask him about Ponder if he has a good preseason game. But Ponder's tough. He brings it. He can put his hand in the dirt and rush. He's he's probably just a, a role guy. You know, he's not going to do – he's not going to stop the run. He's not going to cover anybody for sure. Oh. We saw that the other day. A couple guys ran by him in coverage. But he can rush a little bit off the edge. And if he makes it, it'll be practice squad, obviously. But he could be a guy that goes somewhere else and – sticks as a situational rusher, a 4-3 team where he's just yeah. handing the dirt, and that might be a better role for him, better fit for him. But he's competed. He's looked good as a rusher. Uh, to me, I'm done with the Quentin Bell experiment, so I'd rather see Ponder stick around. Ladarius Hamilton, eh, whatever. Like, uh, you know, I think that Ponder's the guy that's caught my eye of those guys. Cam Gill is still – I want to keep Cam Gill, and I wonder, Josh, if – okay, so he's injured and he misses most of camp. He comes back, couple, one or two practices, and he looks good. But he it must tweak something again because he's out again today. In Primus, yeah. the first. I wonder if IR is a possibility with him at some point. Like it's, if that if it becomes a nag, if it's a nagging thing. Total speculation here. Yeah, if it's, it's a nagging thing, if they put him on IR, it's difficult too because if you're going to put him on IR, then you know you have to have him on the active roster, even if it's mm -hmm. short term. Who do you trust that might not get picked up by waivers? Who do you trust that you know you can resign? So. It's going to be, I think it's going to be more difficult this year mm -hmm. just because of how stacked they are in so many different positions, you know, to, to mm -hmm. kind of make those moves. But you never know, too. I mean, we're talking about the guys who are on the roster. Cut down day comes, and Bruce might, someone might catch his eye that he's like, oh, mm -hmm. well, let's get this guy in here. So, I mean, we're talking about, I mean, I know I had my 53 out. Scott had his 53 out. Yours is coming out here soon. Mm -hmm. um, there could be guys we don't even know on this team yeah. that, that, are, that are taking spots. But yeah, uh, it's uh, they've got a little quandary with Cam Gill. Now we've got a long way to go. He could be back after this game, preseason yeah, game, and then he fine. could be great. You know, and they do like him. Good special teams uh, contributions, and I there's some upside there too. I I would love to see them stick it out with him. He's got more. If Nelson's a better player right now, I'd like to see Cam Gill long term. Uh, more than Anthony Nelson. Hey, you know what? I'd really like to see Josh. I'd really like to see people continue to join the Pewter Report crew playing underdog fantasy football. It has been a blast. I mean, we have had two leagues fill now. Well, actually, one league is full technically. I'm waiting for the last person I sent the link to to join the league to actually join the league so we can have the draft. But that league is full. I'm filling another league right now. We're doing a 12 person league on underdog fantasy. Let me pull up the banner so everybody knows kind of what I'm talking about here, but underdogfantasy.com. It is a best ball league. You do the draft, you leave it for the year. That's it. It pulls your best scores automatically. You don't have to start your set, your starting lineup. There's no in-season roster management. It's kind of the perfect world. You don't have to manage anything in the season. You just you draft the team, you set it, you put a couple of bucks in to win. And uh, that's how you, that's how it operates basically. So the promo code is pewter. If you join to sign up, underdogfantasy.com, use the promo code pewter. It'll take you five seconds to sign up. First of all, please sign up. It helps pewter report a lot. Some of you, a lot of you have signed up this month. That's been great. If more of you sign up, even if you're not going to do anything with it, sign up, use the promo code pewter. But I would encourage you to do something with it too. It is an awesome site. The layout is amazing. The aesthetic is amazing. The systems that they have in place are amazing. There are best ball leagues you can get into, including one I'm about to tell you about in a minute. But there's also like the puppy. They have like a big league going right now where the payout to win is like a ton of money. They have a million dollar league that they're filling right now. Uh, the, the payout to win, if you win it, is a million. And only a couple bucks to, to get in for these. And they give you $25 in credit. So you're basically have a chance to win a million dollars for free. That's my pitch right there. Join underdogfantasy.com. Use that promo code, Peter, P-E-W-T-E-R. And by the way, if you want to join a fantasy football league, a best ball league, just a draft only, and then your team plays throughout the rest of the year, you don't have to manage it at all, for $3, just a $3 buy-in. And remember, they give you $25 in credit when you sign up with that promo code Pewter. Email me, John, J-O-N, at pewterreport.com and say, I went in on this league. We did two six-person leagues. Now we're doing a 12-person league. We've already got a couple people signed up for it. We are, it's $3 to enter and just email me, John, J-O-N, at pewterreport.com and say, hey, I went in the league. I'll send you the link and a couple very quick instructions. And once we get that league filled, we'll have a draft for it. So it'll be fun. Last thing I'll say, Long Lost Glazer approached me. He wants to do a more high stakes league. So if you're interested in a more high stakes league, a bigger entry uh, pay than $3, let me know. Email me, John, J-O-N, at pewterreport.com and say, hey, I'd be interested in a higher stakes league and let me know kind of what range you're thinking in terms of the buy-in because I don't want to make 
things uncomfortable for people, but we'll find a, a middle ground for everybody and we'll do a kind of bigger stakes league uh, with the Peter Report crew as well. So if you're interested in either of those leagues, the $3 one or the higher stakes ones, email me, hit me up, john, J-O-N at pewterreport.com. Let's get those leagues filled. Let's have some fun. Let's draft. Let's enjoy this season. We'll talk a little bit of trash with each other on the pod too. So it'll be good stuff. Another thing they have too is really cool is uh is over unders and rivals. So the prop over bets. You know, they yeah. prop bets. So you no, know, so that's a fun way to do it to kind of it's not gambling technically, it falls in that gray zone. But then they have the rivals too, where it's like, okay, so week one, who's gonna have more touchdowns or who's gonna have more yards? Mike Evans or Mari Cooper? And you pick the so they've got a lot of cool things. And like I said, I'm using it for mock drafts. Three dollar yeah. twelve team twelve team uh twelve person, three dollar mock drafts, you know. You, you hate the people when they draft a kicker in the first round. You run through it. You do your mock draft. You leave it. Let it run. And who knows? At the end of the season, you get better at drafting. And then at the end of the season, you could win. You know whatever the prize amount is. So right, that's it's fun and it's worth it for sure. Oh, yeah. The people, the people still believe that I hate Leonard Fournette. You are a Fournette hater, <laughs> Low Bello says. He was a star against the best teams in the NFL last season. He doesn't fumble and drop passes every time he touches the ball, like Ronald Jones. Sorry, the tape don't lie. It lies if it's telling you that, Low. It lies if it is telling you that. But I really don't hate Lenny, but Tony wants to know if I hate Lenny for running all over the Steelers a few years ago. I'm going to be honest, Tony. I do not remember this happening. He did score touchdowns in the – in the. oh, he did have that long run against the Steelers. That was in the regular season, yeah. But most of that game, they held him in check, though. I would never think of Leonard Fournette as a Steeler killer. Let's put it that way, Tony. Um, so, no, that's not the reason. Um, I, I Normally, if it's like a player that killed the Steelers, I'll actually really like them but it'll be like begrudgingly like Brady before he went to the box. It was like, <laughs> Hey Brady. But I mean, obviously he's amazing. You know what I mean? I, I give props to guys who, who beat my favorite teams for sure. You know, no question about that. Um, uh, Leonard, I wish he, I hope he gets back to those ways uh, when he did, when he, his rookie year was his best football, but I don't know if we're going to see uh, that again. And uh, frankly, I just don't know. I just think Ronald Jones is more talented. Look at it that way too. Positively. And that positive light for Ronald Jones. All right. Last couple winners, last couple losers. I've saved one of the best for last. And you're frozen. People have accused me of being a hater of, including the man himself has accused me of being a hater of him. Devin White. I think he's had an unbelievable camp. Uh, I think he's been awesome today. Just watching him blanket Giovanni Bernard, uh, who is an unbelievable route runner as a running back on a whip route, just all over him. Anticipation technique. He's under control. How much more patient he's played. I mean, have we seen him out of position at all in camp? I mean, it's just he has been – everything has been good. Like, he really has been. Um, he's he's playing like he should. You know, no linebacker is going to, you know, stack and shed offensive linemen all game long. Anybody who's asking him to do that is, is ridiculous. But he's beating blockers to spots in the run game. He's anticipating. He's seeing things. He's flowing to the football. He's playing under control. When he gets the guys, he's stopping his, his momentum. He's rapping. He's thudding. Um, the coverage plays have been, I mean, he's more pass breakups in camp than maybe anybody else. I mean, I know that he probably gets targeted more than other guys too. So it's not totally a fair comparison, but he's just been great. He's been all over the place. He's been, uh, he's done exactly what you wanted to see from him in year three. People know I was hard on him at the beginning of last year, but I think it was fair. I think that's the way he played. And I think when he played better, I was fair to him. And I think I'm being fair to him now by saying, I think he's going to compete to be the best linebacker in the league this season. That's really the ceiling I see for him. Yeah, and sticking with guys who are, you know, going into, you know, second or third years, I'm going to go with Trishan Wirfs. I mean, the guy, sophomore slump mm. is not going to be a thing for this man. I tell you that. He is a man-child carrying trees in the offseason. He's looked amazing, stonewalling people left and right. Uh, he's had a few plays, but for the most part, this he's going to pick it up right where he left off. And just like Devin White, he's going to be a guy who competes for, you know, the best position, one of the best position players uh, at best players at his position in the league. I mean, he's yeah. going to, if he's not already a top five right tackle, he's definitely going to be a top, top five, top three by the end of the season's over, if not number yeah. one. It's, it's kind of like feels, it's weird because he's only in his second season, but it feels like a given to me that Tristan Wirfs is balling out, but good mention by you for sure. Ali Marpet's another guy. I mean, it's like he's been marvelous in camp. I mean, his one on run reps are like a joke. I don't even watch him. I think I already know what's going to happen. Like just clamps dudes and it's over. Like, He's he just a dominant player. By Khalil Davis twice, though, in back-to-back reps. I was Khalil Davis beat Khalil Ali Davis Marpet twice. Bad. One of them knocked him to the ground. The next what? One, yeah. Why did you lead with this on the show? It wasn't you... today. It wasn't today. 
It was. I, uh, I wrote about it. I wrote about it in the practice report. It was a couple. It was like oh. a week ago. Yeah, he got beat bad, man. It was wow, like, I have not seen him lose any reps in one on ones. Yeah, in camp and not even like remotely lose. No, he I mean, got, he's gone against Golston, Sue, Vea, Nacho. I've not I seen him go against myself. Okay, shocked. so let's just talk about Khalil Davis as a winner, just based off that right there. He beat the unbeatable. <laughs> yeah. Like Khalil yeah. Davis is a winner of camp. I mean, he's done. He's done well. Other than that, but. That's awesome. I mean, for Khalil Davis, that's super encouraging. I didn't, I did not see that. Um, wow, that's uh, I my work, John. Yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, there's call me out on that one, but no, I, I did not see that. That's uh, that's impressive for him. Good for him. Yeah, uh, Khalil Davis has had a good camp though, and he needs to have a good preseason. He's an important yeah. player. I know that's crazy to say about a sixth round guy, but it's him. It's him and Ledbetter. You know, do you, do you want a guy who offers you a little bit something different in Davis, or do you want a guy who can do a little bit of everything in, in Ledbetter? Mm-hmm. And I think those two guys are. They're right head to head in competition right now. And yeah, you're right. Preseason is going to be big for them. I also think Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy Bunting have not had one bad day of practice. And I think that is against this group of receivers. Yeah, that can't say. be said for any other corner that's been out here. They've all had days where they got shelled in practice. And those two have held it together. Even when they've given up catches, they are in position. They have given up yeah. some tough ones, but their positioning has been great. There isn't up in guys lost in coverage. Mental mistakes have been few. Smart guys who study their tails off. I'm excited about Charmer Bunting this year. You know, obviously a lot of questions still to answer. Um, even after practices, you know, he's given up some, but it's not never have there been like a practice where you were like, yikes. Even Jamel Dean has had some practice. You're like, all right, he's given up a lot. He's he's kind of there, but he's he's given up a lot. Like, and all the other guys have had plenty of moments like that, but. Yeah, those guys have been really solid. So has made it very, very hard on Mike Evans. And I mean, the wide receivers are in a better position. Obviously, they know where they're going. The you know you can't really, you're not really supposed to hit or you know that much as as a cornerback in practice. You want to keep the offensive guys healthy and everything. But you know some of the plays that Carlton Davis has forced Mike Evans to make, and we all look at it like, oh, Mike Evans made an incredible play. But as you said, it was incredible coverage too by Carlton Davis. So. Mm Yeah, I would agree with that statement. I think, I think you know, it's definitely a, a winner in camp. Yeah. yeah, all the interior D line guys are the same. Mitch, you know, Will Golston, Sue, Vea, they're fine. They're all fine in practice. You know, yeah. no <laughs> they, it, Sue's had like a hundred off days, but it's because he pl- he never misses a game his whole life. So, and um, Dean, a lot of questions about Dean. Now that I said that, I, I I think you could put Dean in the losers of camp. I mean. He's not been horrible or anything, but he's not like falling all over the place like he was in games last Cameron year Kinley. where he got beat. Yeah. Oh, Cameron Kinley. No. Kinley's well, not been away. Someone needs to stop putting AB on this guy. I feel yeah, so bad for him every time I see him. Yeah. It's oh, like, you wanted to play football and defer your uh, role with the Navy? Okay. <laughs> like, we're going to put the best runner of all time on you. Like, geez, man. Like, be kind to this, man. This is ridiculous. So, yeah, like, Leave him alone. He doesn't know anything. Right. <laughs> he's just he's bullying him so yeah. bad. I mean, uh, Dean is just – it's not like he's been horrible. It's just like these three guys are just way better than Dean. Like, I don't know. Like, he's competed. He's had some plays, but it's not been anything that – like, I'm not worried about Dean taking Sean Murphy Bunting's job anymore. Like, to me, it's, it's Murphy Bunting ride or die as the other outside corner. And then, obviously, when they go nickel – Dean's got to hold his own and they're a nickel lot. So that's still a big job for Dean, but um, he was great. He's, you know, when he's great, he's great. When he's bad, it's, it's ugly. So uh, double moves. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, again, I'm not like freaking out about anybody on the team, but just, just trying to give you guys an honest assessment of how camp's gone uh, with people, positives and negatives. Mike Edwards also had a great camp. I know we get a wrap of the show. He's had a great camp too. Um, what else is going on? We got to talk about. Uh, we got to just preview the rest of the week. Tomorrow will be. Right? I got. I got suck up in the loser call. I mean, he's no, 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 no. You cannot. He's twenty-two of twenty-four. Unless you're trying some reverse jinxing, you can't reverse jinx him when he's already flipped. He's twenty-two of twenty-four of the last three practices, <laughs> and Jamel Dean blocked one of those. So you cannot put suck up. Don't put that on him. Come on. Don't do it, JC. Oh, all right, all right. Word. Come on. Jose B said a good camp. Let's yeah. Jose who? Jose B. That's his last name. <laughs> Begins with a B. I know that. I love um, <laughs> tomorrow we'll be back 4 p.m. on the podcast. I don't really I think it's Matt and I. I'm, who's who's down to practice? You and Matt tomorrow. Yeah, Matt I don't too. know who's on the podcast tomorrow, but hey, it's gonna I'll, be a great show. Pop up, you know. Who knows? Maybe we'll have all three of us on. Maybe you could. Uh, we don't know. But 4 p.m. tomorrow. Uh, to the topic tomorrow is gonna be, yeah, they'll have thoughts from practice, but topic tomorrow is going to be 
preseason games, who are we most excited to see? Who the preseason game, the first preseason game, who's it most important for? So we'll talk about that tomorrow on the show. Then Saturday after the podcast, we will be live after the game, we will be live. Remember, mark your calendars. Make sure you're subscribed to Pewter Report. Pewter Report Podcast. Subscribe to it. Pewter Report TV on YouTube. Subscribe and hit the bell to get the notifications for when we go live because that will tell you there's not a set time for when we go live after the game, but you do not want to miss the post-game commentary, the post-game reactions in here. Everybody who was in the pod last year after games knows it is popping after games in the pod. Win or loss, we're all getting takes off. Everybody's going crazy. It's a good time. So make sure you've subscribed and hit that bell to get the notifications for when we go live. And do this. Tell one person today about the Pewter Report podcast that you think will be interested in tuning in after games because it's going to be a good time and this season's going to have so much content in store oh, for yeah. you from Pewter Report. And I just want everybody to be in on it because this is going to be an epic buck season and I want everybody to enjoy all the coverage that they can. So appreciate you all. Love you all for tuning in. We'll catch you again tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern on another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. <laughs>